lawyer talk off the record on the air such a catchy phrase i like it here we are doing real lawyer talk guest series with emily hello emily's here (laughs) (laughs) she is here so what we're trying to do is 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 add a little flavor to this the show and one way to do that is to get some outside input from folks like Emily. I'm kind of vanilla flavor, though. No, no way. No, 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 no. no way. There's all sorts of spice there. <laughs> oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna dig into it. But uh, so Emily is not just a person. She is uh, not just vanilla. What's your job? I mean, this is fascinating. I am another attorney who was a prosecutor for over ten years. A ten-year veteran prosecutor. And not only that, I mean, what kind of, over that period of time, what kind of case did you prosecute? So I have the amazing experience of being in one stagnant county for a period of time, so about mm. two and a half years. And I won't go over any of the county names or name judges or counties, but then had the experience to go all over the state of Ohio and prosecute. So I've seen probably a lot of courtrooms just like a typical defense attorney where uh, they travel around. Uh, well, I know, no, I mean, a typical defense, like you've probably been... I don't know if I'm a typical defense lawyer. I've been doing it for 23 years, 23 years. But you've probably been in almost every county in the state. In some way, I think out of the 88 counties, I think I've done a jury trial in about 15. But investigations that have spanned probably into the 50s. You have worked through 50 counties. You, you probably don't have that number. 15 different counties where she tried cases? Have I had trials in 15 different counties? Probably not. No. Probably not. Like, right, we're talking felony trials. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no misdemeanors. These how, are all going to be how felonies. Do you get, how do you get brought around to, to prosecute in different counties? Are you requested? Are you moved? to? Back in the day, yeah. They would request you in. So there are lots of different reasons that someone would ask you to go into a county. But most of the time, it was just to go in and help out when they needed help. So okay. it had to be a big case. Yeah. Yeah. Or just a messy case or one that they might not want to touch. Um, and I was never afraid to lose anything. So I would try the hard things that a lot of people wouldn't touch. Never afraid to lose. That's a good way to <coughs> That's a good way to function. So um, people didn't want to touch it. You mean it, do you mean like the evidence wasn't that strong or do you mean So I think that Every county has different resources, sure, and some of the sure. counties might not have had the resources to handle it. it. wasn't that evidence might not have been there, but they might have just needed some extra help. Gotcha. Some of them were cold cases, too. That and since this is on a federal line, I mean, you're working for the federal government, so they can move you to where you're No, no, no. This, was, this no? is all state. This, this is, is all state. state. Yeah. You've, mm-hmm. not, state. you've never been an assistant United States attorney, have you? I was a SASA just briefly and did the child exploitation stuff. What's, a, what's what? a salsa? A special assistant U.S. attorney. A special assistant. I never heard that. I was thinking like chips and salsa. No. That's a great name, though. A special assistant. All mm-hmm. right. So you've been you've been sworn in. You got a federal license then. I you, did. You've done it all. Did you mm-hmm. prosecute uh, like child pornography cases? I did the child, yeah, child exploitation stuff. Just okay. briefly. And some of that I think was um, they wanted to facilitate relationships between the states and the feds. Hmm. Which I think is a good thing. That's still going on now. Yeah, they still have yeah. these programs it does. all over. And as a defense lawyer, I, I'm already off my outline. But as a defense <laughs> lawyer, there's nothing more frustrating than thinking you've got your case sort of packaged up where it needs to be. And then you get the call from the feds and they're saying, by the way, we're going to take this too. Or 
we're going to take it away. Right. Taking it too really sucks mm-hmm. because now, mm-hmm. believe it or not, there is no jeopardy for that situation. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can get convicted in both federal and state court. It makes no sense, but that's mm-hmm. just what it is. So there's nothing more frustrating. So I can see why that would be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that would be beneficial. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to do it, but it's happened. Well, I had a ca- I was assisting on a case that would have been a federal case, but it was kicked back to the state. They yeah. just didn't have the right count at that time to keep it in the feds, so it went state. The mm-hmm. right count? Does that mean the number of... So it was, no, it wasn't the count, it, was, it would have been the underlying offenses. So there was a, a minor and a rape case. Gotcha. And a rape mm. incident. So it was better to try it at the state than perhaps the Fed level. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, one of the, th- after we've obviously introduced the, what you do, you're a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And in a conversation that we thought was on the air, but really was off the record. See how that works? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See how I did that? I mm-hmm. twisted it all around. I like it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you told us that you were. You first said that you were reformed. Then you said, no, you're more of a realistic, mm-hmm. real prosecutor. Mm-hmm. What, what, tell us about that. What, is, what does that mean? Like I said earlier, I think I always went in with the expectation of just trying to do the right thing. And I think that some prosecutors get a bad rap, especially now. You hear how prosecutors only want to win and... Mm-hmm that made up evidence and all of these things, you have people doing these jobs every single day that just want the right thing to happen, that work with law enforcement, that go home to their families at the end of the day, and they just want the right result to come out. It's not to fabricate anything. So I always went in trying to work with opposing counsel. If the case wasn't there, then I would say it wasn't there. And I, Mm -hmm. I know that I've done that a number of times where after further analysis, the case wasn't there. It might have meant a dismissal. Yeah. For me, but that was fine. That was the right thing to do. So I think it was a realistic way to approach the justice what would, system. What would register to a lot of them as a win? Is a win just full on, you got what you wanted? Or is a win, a couple couple counts are dropped off and a couple counts are go through. What what in their mind is a win? A full card? They wanted it all I think the it way through? It just depends. I think it depends on the, the crime. Is it a high profile case? Is it, there's so many factors that can go into it. So you know, I've had a, a guilty on uh, a trial that I did where the person ended up dead, and all I got was a misdemeanor assault out of that. Some people would say, oh, well, you still won something. Mm-hmm. I don't consider that a win because it was dropped all the way down to a misdemeanor assault. Well, you saw that a couple of weeks ago. I don't think that prosecutor would consider that a win, even I though— I don't think they considered that a win. Yeah. I, 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 but, but it looks on their face. Uh, they'd won. Yeah, I yeah they got I, a conviction. They, they got yeah. a conviction. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. But and we're going to talk. That's on the head. We're going to talk. Boy, about this. they then they they did. They, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I was impressive. They it was watching them do their trade. They yeah. were they were very good, and they were watching you do your trade. And there was a a very interesting game that was going on here that I was had to, that I was able to watch. Well, you're getting into what. Sort of what we're talking about what and what I think people on the outside look at it as a game when it's mm-hmm. not a game and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be a game. You know what I mean? But just to go back to your point, it's like you have that in every walk of life. Mm-hmm. You have Absolutely. people that are bad defense lawyers that you are doing say crooked stuff. No, I don't want to. I don't want to think of it as a game. How, how, how would you how would you you were doing it? I mean, I don't want to say yeah. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you, but you have what to. Were you, what are you going to call it? I mean, you were you were paying attention. You yeah. were following along. You were taking notes. There's, you were trying to grab their next move. You were you were being wary of what they might say. So you had your back up there. I'm, I'm not, I'm not Let me ask you. you a question. 
and, and we're going to get we're, Emily. We're going to yeah. fill you in on this because we've kept. We'll get there. But what did what did the what did the gentleman what did my client and or his family? Do you remember the what they told me to do? About four save his life. Save his life. Right. That makes it not a game. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Right. Hell? Then, but here's the thing: it sort of appears that way, in that it's about it becomes about winning, I guess, on in, in some weird way. But that 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 urge to win is what motivates you. In uh, you know what it is? Here, here's my thought, Emily. Mm-hmm. It's like that urge to win on both sides mm-hmm. is what creates that adversarialness of the system. Yeah, that in is is good mm-hmm. in, in some way, right? It's it's good in some way in that rivalry is good. If I, whatever my motive is to win. I'm going to do it and it's going to force me to do the best I can to mm-hmm. win. And even if I lose, I've at least advanced my my client had the shot or had the opportunity and the system is designed to work that way because on your side Emily, mm-hmm. the prosecutor in theory is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Except that's where I disagree. <laughs> Right. It's like, what's your job? When you get sworn, like your notion of a prosecutor, what are you told is your job to do what? Well, I think the good thing is I never had anybody tell me what my job was going to be. I kind of defined it for myself. Okay. And I think I was able to define it even more when I went all over the state because one result in one county that could be identical in another county might not be best suited for that actual case. So having someone plead to a drug offense in one county and have the same thing in another county might end up with a different result and justice might be different. So I was able to define that for myself. And I always thought, you know, the best cases that I did were the cases that I could work with opposing counsel, like almost Mm. hand in hand. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, at the end of the trial, as long as there weren't any dirty things that happened, you know, character assassinations in front of a jury or anything like that, I would go get a beer with them afterward. That's what I considered a successful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. But let me, let me, let me dig in a little deeper then. I mean, what is the, what, what's the perception on your end of things as to what, I guess our constitutional structure or the, the, the judicial structure would define the prosecutor's job as to mm-hmm. do. It's like we always say the prosecutor's job is to do justice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. would sort of be the notion. But that seems to me almost, I don't want to call it a farce, but it's like. Do you think it's fluid though? I mean, in the sense that, okay, let's say you have a drug case mm-hmm. and um, is justice going to be to put that person in prison? Or is it going to be, I can get this person uh, to plead guilty and put them in a program that's going to help them become clean and then fix their life around and, and work through that system? Right. So, yeah, it's a guilty that I got a, you know, it's a win that I got a guilty, but is it a win if that person just goes and sits in jail? I don't think so necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, that's you're exactly going beyond. Right. You might There might not be a lot of prosecutors that share that same opinion. Probably. Um, Maybe. I'm, I'm just meeting Emily, but when she walked, you seem like you'd be a good judge of people. <laughs> no, you, you do. Yeah. You, you seem like you'll be able to catch their vibe and you'll be able to know that this will help. And then you'll see in another county, you're like, no. It's, yeah, well, that's, you know what I mean? I, we're not going to waste our time. No, yeah. and I'm a snap judgment person, and sometimes that's a good thing. I think in general life, sometimes it, it works to my detriment. But, yeah, I snap judge immediately. Yeah. No, I, I, I believe that people that can do that do that, and they a lot of times do it well. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's going to cut yeah. a lot out of it. 
Well, that's a, that's a refreshing perspective of it though. And we think about that a lot too. It's like, you know, people sit down in our conference room and they say, well, what's your win percentage? And you're mm-hmm. like, well, what do you consider a win? Mm-hmm. The guy that got intervention, he still had to admit that he possessed drugs, but mm-hmm. now he's been sober for a year. Mm-hmm. I consider that a win. That's mm-hmm. a win. You yeah. know what I mean? And then I, you know, going back to the, to the trial and the adversarial process and stuff like that, it's like, to me, I've never tried a case and I'm trying to think aside from like speeding tickets and crap like that, mm-hmm. but real cases like with you felony cases that we weren't passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be the same would be true mm-hmm. for you. Absolutely. These counties you would mm-hmm. go to were these high profile matters. You mm-hmm. believed like we do, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we drink our, drink our own Kool-Aid here. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. we sit down with our client and they give a story. I believe them. Mm-hmm. You know, I believe what happened here. I don't think they did the investigation they should have. And now let's go fight about it. Mm-hmm. You probably feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. The Absolutely. investigation well, wasn't great, but- I believe my victim. Mm-hmm. I believe they they suffered, and and I should prosecute for that. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get even deeper into it, but it's almost like the no. We're dealing with two different concepts. Right? We're dealing with the concept of winning, mm-hmm. which, if you just write down win on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. it seems very black and white. Absolutely, but it is not. And then if you write down the word justice on a piece of paper, it seems mm-hmm. very black and white, but it is not, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, both those terms are very to use your word fluid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what Jeff just said, like I. I have a, we have a different philosophy here on how I do criminal defense. And I, mm-hmm. it, I've just stumbled on it over maybe it's just because it's who we are. But I look at problems and not necessarily legal problems. I look at the person. I look at the individual. I have to figure mm-hmm. out what their problem is. So mm-hmm. a guy that's got 10 felonies already mm-hmm. and he comes in with what uh, some charge, well, he's got a different problem than somebody who's never been in trouble before Absolutely. with maybe an opiate addiction. And they've got maybe the same crime but a completely different problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to redefine what winning is on our end all the time. Otherwise, you end up like a lawyer. You end up drunk. Mm-hmm. You end up depressed. Yeah, you end up absolutely. miserable. Yeah. You end up at home staring mm-hmm. at the ceiling when mm-hmm. your spouse is saying, what the is going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it, it becomes very, very difficult to do this job unless you redefine what the problem is and then focus on that solution. Mm-hmm. I had one of those moments last night. Oh, I don't geez. know why. <laughs> Morgan knows. She's like, what's wrong with you? I'm just like, I just can't, I can't talk to anyone right now. It's my daughter's birthday too. Mm. We went out to dinner. She's like, so I was like, why are you like, your face is like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. You know, those days you just come home and you're just like, mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I got nothing left. That's because daddy's job sucks. That's what I should have <laughs> said. Right. That's what I should have said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes too, you lose your faith in humanity when you see what's going on on both sides yeah. and in the general population. And you think, how do you fix this? How do you... Yeah. Overcome. I mean, I can, I can say with a pretty good degree of certainty that I am proud of the way that I handled ninety percent of my cases. Yeah, and yeah. I could go home and sleep at night and say, if someone went to prison for life, they deserve to be in prison for life. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't sit back. People say, oh well, what if that person wasn't guilty? Well, then I wouldn't have pushed as hard as I did. Yeah. And that's what the evidence told me. Yeah, and that's the and that's where, yeah. It, like Jeff, you brought it up, right? So in a courtroom, and this is Jared, what you saw too, like you said, you called it a game, but in a courtroom, it does become very, very, a, a lot like a game, I guess is the way to say it. I mean, it's it chess. Becomes, yeah. It becomes, it, everything just sort of and comes Jared's to Jared's looking at me like, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that's what I got, man. <laughs> but what you, it's like what we, what you haven't seen completely anyway that, that mm-hmm. we deal with is most cases don't go to trial. Absolutely. You know, most of the time, and I've always said this, if somebody's going to, if, if I'm in trial, somebody's being unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, right. I, 
right? Yes, absolutely. Somebody. And then yeah. the players in the One case. of the three. It's either going to be the defendant, the judge, or the defense attorney. It's never the prosecutor, is it? <laughs> Not this one, no. <laughs> no, but I've had those cases too where you know, I was able to work out on a case uh, uh, the, the defendant would have been out by the age of 40. Now, I won't go into the total details That's of that. How old was the defendant at that time? 18. All right. And Good chunk time. I, people came in and muddied up the situation and their pride got in the way, in my opinion, and now the person's serving life. So sometimes I think that pride in this I want to win mentality can be absolutely Certainly. detrimental to the defendant. Yeah. It can be. Now, it's mm -hmm. funny that you said. See, so somebody in that story right there had to give the green light. Absolutely. Well, it would have been the one, defendant. There's, the only defendant? One, there's, only, there's only one yeah. person. The defendant could, makes that choice yes, ultimately. There, there's absolutely. One, there's only one person that gives the green light. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, you know what, though? And I would have to say that well, comes back to a game. Because now you are running at <laughs> I'm just saying if you're I, sitting there, I, I you know what saying. you can yeah. have. But maybe, just maybe, so you roll the dice let's, and you take let's the put it on black one more time. And and, and you yeah. roll with it. You just <laughs> played a game with your own life. Mm -hmm. Or you've got these I don't know. What I, don't want, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to try to dumb it down and call it a game or offend. Because you know, I mean, what I saw it's in great, that trial that's was, a perception. was was an, a, an incredible social experiment. Yeah, because I watched it through the whole organic flow of picking the jurors mm -hmm. to looking at their faces and going through. And I mean, I sat through the whole thing and I was taking my notes and and I, I just when things were said and words got brought up and I'd watched how they mm. would people reacted. Yeah, how <laughs> people reacting that I was in the courtroom, but that's yeah, that happened. That, 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 that was <laughs> for the show that's coming out next week twice. Well, you, <laughs> when I said somebody's being unreasonable, it's like my list is it gets longer almost every year mm -hmm. as you realize how many people have an influence over this process. Yep, judges, family, family, mm -hmm. victims, mm -hmm. victims' family, mm -hmm. defendants, defendants' family, defendants' mother, namely, mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate to make it, it's not about <laughs> no. gender, but no. there is a role of a mother and a male child mm -hmm. that often mm -hmm. ends up in a really bad decision mm -hmm. when making, when deciding what to do with a criminal case. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, the defense lawyer mm -hmm. and the defense lawyer's ego and the prosecutor and the prosecutor's ego. Mm -hmm. Often, all, if, if, if I'm in trial, there's certain cases that have to be tried. Absolutely. I, I get it. I mean, it just is. But. The one I've tried more cases that shouldn't have been tried than I have that should. Yeah. What's I your Emily? What's your take on uh, like prosecutors' offices? Because if there's one thing to me, and I think I hope that people look at me like I'm an easy person to deal with when I go over there. Absolutely. But one of the frustrating things that I see is the word policy. Mm -hmm. Like when they say, "Well, we can't do this because it's our policy." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And is that? I, I, there's nothing that makes me more frustrated because it, they're people. You mm -hmm, know what I mean? And mm -hmm. every, there's no, what do we say all the time, Steve? There's no twin to any case. Every case is different. Every case is different. So yeah. it's like, how can you have a blanket policy of X? Mm -hmm. But did you find yourself when you were a prosecutor in that situation where a, somebody was above you saying, well, I want to take a hard stand on this. And mm -hmm. so you're not allowed to do this. I mean, I've never been the elected. So I've always had to run things past yeah. my superior. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, there were definite policies. I always thought if yeah. there was a sex case, something's going to come out of something like that. But I think if I, it, it, 
I always said, if you do things for the right reasons, you'll get the right result. So if I went to the supervisor and said, here's what I have, here's what I can prove, I understand there's a policy, but let me at least talk about this. So that's how I approach things. But I mean, every office, it's a political office. And in the end, you know, they don't want something thrown across the screen that this person always lets sex offenders go or this person never convicts drug addicts or something along those lines. So they exist. It's weird. It's weird because I always, it's when you look at things from that perspective, it's like if people knew like maybe child pornography, maybe that's something in our society we want to get rid of. We hope Mm -hmm. it never happens. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Many people, I would say mm-hmm. 90% of the people that come through with child pornography charges, regardless of how many different photographs or videos they have, many receive probation, many in the state system. Yes, right. in the many state system. I mean. And I think they should, most of the, the ones that do probably should. I, I, don't, I don't disagree, but I think if that hit the media, mm-hmm. you may see a flip. You know what I mean? You may see a, a political well, shift. When I hear the word policy, mm-hmm. I really hear politics. You know, it's like, because that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors, my dad, believe it or not, was a special, what'd you call it? A, a salsa? Specialist, a salsa. A salsa. Salsa, mm-hmm. baby. Salsa. salsa. <laughs> yeah. She brought chips he and salsa was a, today. He, he did a stint at the United States Attorney's Office. And he always said that that, that job, he had, he had more power. The only person that had more power in the system than a federal prosecutor was a federal judge, a district court judge. And uh, he just, I think he sort of was very, very mindful of the power that he wielded in his discretion to do things Mm -hmm. or not Mm -hmm. do things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking about child pornography. There's a, there's a crime called enticement, I guess, in federal court or is that, yeah, it's enticement or uh, importuning in state court, enticement Mm -hmm. in federal Mm -hmm. court. And it's a coin toss, right? You go to Mm -hmm. federal court for an enticement, you're going to prison. 10 years, I think the minimum. And it's a mandatory mm-hmm. 10. Now you can yeah. bust through that through their ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to state court, you're on probation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a real, I mean, that that's exactly yeah. what happens though. And, you know, in the federal system too, what's the minimum number of images or videos that pull that case into the federal system? If they don't have that number, is it going to go to the state? So, And hmm. it's totally arbitrary, really. I mean, yeah. there, there's not much... Like having a thousand images or ten thousand in today's day and age, it's really sort mm-hmm. of it's, it's it's an arbitrary line. But anyway, I, Jeff is asking about policies, and it really, what it comes down to, we're I am fascinated to hear how prosecutors exercise their discretion in what you decide to prosecute and what you don't. And I guess the real question is, how often does the cause or the emotion or the feeling of sympathy or um empathy towards a victim, legitimate empathy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and legitimate sympathy mm-hmm. get in the way of a perception of the evidence. I haven't seen that with things that I've done. And I think, again, that's just because I would look at things and I didn't always just see a victim and say, automatically, I believe what has happened here because it's not what I believe. It's what am I going to be able to prove? So yeah, you have to think, how is this person going to stand up in front of a jury and is it going to benefit that person or not? But um, you know, I just always tried to think, how am I going to prove this case and what's going to happen in the end? What's the best result for this person? Is putting a child through a trial the best result if this person can yeah. plead to a lower degree and still be on you know, the, the tier of sex registration? And that's where that sliding scale of justice yeah. sort of Defense attorneys, we kind of lose sight of that because yeah. you not only have to make that call, but mm-hmm. you have a client too. Absolutely. So you have to go explain to them why you're doing something. 
which obviously can be very difficult too. Absolutely. That's probably some of the hardest uh, talks that I've had to have with people are why are we playing something down from a rape to a GSI? Because then you have to tell the person, I believe what you're telling me, but that's a hard conversation to have with somebody. Very hard. That's interesting. So what is the base? Is there a, is there a, is there a generalization you have about what victims think about the plea bargaining process? I always keep people, or I tried my hardest to keep people involved from the very start. So they knew everything that was going on. Now, I did not always have the ability to have a victim advocate with me in some cases. Mm. Um, so, so you're the victim's advocate. What's a victim? So, let's, let's take a pause. What's so, a victim's sorry, advocate? The victim advocate is someone who is not an attorney for the individual, but kind of helps guide them along through the judicial system. So they're not left abandoned. Jared, you were my advocate at the last trial. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. But you've kept you said, but back to it, you always kept your you kept your victims in the loop, so to I speak. I tried as hard family. as I could to keep the the right people in the loop during the whole process. I imagine it's exhausting. It's exhausting and then you take it upon your shoulders because now you're invested. Yeah. And now you you but you still have to separate yourself from the end result. So even though you're invested in this individual, you still have, still have to remember you don't represent them, but you want to advocate the best for the case and keeping the victim in mind. So the majority of your cases, you had a victim. It wasn't always just the state or, or, or somebody coming at them. No, no, most of the cases I did were sex assault cases okay. or toward and the end homicide cases. So my victim was deceased, so it was a family. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And and does the prosecutions, I mean, it just appears to me that their workload, not, not saying that you guys don't, hours are still hours spent, but you're going to get three cases with the same amount of hours that they're putting into one. Is mm-hmm. there, or, do you, or do you think it's... I think every case is you, different. You, you're never overloaded. Oh, always. I think everybody's yeah. always overloaded because you never turn it off. Yeah. Which is why I stepped away because you just never, you never stop thinking about it. And you well, get towards calls. the end, Emily, when I met you, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I met her through my wife. It, you were, when you had a trial, you were on the news. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like they were big time media murder cases that they had worked for a year or two mm-hmm. years or even mm-hmm. longer in an investigation. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned cold cases mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. somebody was brought up. It's like, that can become, I mean, we've had our taste of the media at times. It's like that adds an additional wrinkle to trial because Absolutely. not only do you, you know, when the judge says, okay, we're adjourned for the day and you're mm-hmm. thinking, all right, what's my first witness tomorrow? How do I prep them? Mm-hmm. You got people sticking, you know, microphones in your face saying, mm-hmm. how do you think today went? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff. It's like, that can become. The, the media too definitely puts a different spin on the case. I've yeah. been involved with, um, well, the last one I did was a media heavy and, and Dateline was there. So now you have the added pressure of not just the family. Right. That's right. You've been on Dateline a couple yeah, times. Just I, the, I, Morgan showed me when you yeah. had like. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And so that was a cold case that had sat around for a long time, which is another thing that irritates me as a prosecutor. And I'm sure the same thing with you guys sometimes is when people say, oh, it's taken too long to do this investigation. It's It's gone on yeah. too long. Yeah. This family was happy that, you know, I stuck around for six, yeah. seven years yeah. because in the end, the, the individual was convicted of murder. So, yeah. And that was but, on a cold case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a plea, even this, it was this week, I think. I'm losing track of my days, but it was a death from a car accident. And one of the family members said at sentencing, it shouldn't have taken this long for you to plead guilty. And I got up when I made my statement and I said, I looked at all of them and I said, if you want to blame somebody for how long it took, 
Blame mm-hmm. the lawyers. They screw everything up first. Blame me. Kill all the lawyers. <laughs> I filed the motions. I did those things. Yeah. Doesn't mean he, from day one, didn't want to plead guilty. See, but there aren't a lot of defense attorneys that would stand up and say that because I think in the end, dealing with you, you also look for what's the right thing sure. to do. Sure. I mean, that's that's that goes back to our theory of how to handle these cases. I don't believe – at times we table pound. I've been guilty at times of mm-hmm. table pounding. Well, we and, get pissed too. Backing, right? There's backing emotion. cause. Mm-hmm. But I, in general, I, I don't. You know what I mean? Well, it's funny because you said something. You said you try to include your victims in the process mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep them informed so they understand the decisions that have to be made Absolutely. when they're going to make them. Mm-hmm. You're starting to sound like a defense lawyer. <laughs> Right. Because really, I mean, what we, a lot of what we do is managing expectations, helping our clients understand. See, it's like the first time I'll go back to my dad. The first time I had a driving under suspension case, Mm -hmm. just been practicing law, maybe a few weeks, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a couple of months. I don't remember. And, uh, I was, my dad walked into my office and I was doing something. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I got this driving under suspension case. I, you know, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. And, I don't Driving know. under suspension <laughs> case. Well, I was like, was like, do you want me to take a break? <laughs> I, I was wrestling with it. Why? Because I'd had a couple of trials and I got, I'd, I had yeah. had some success. I, I, yeah. yeah. I had won. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he just looks at me and goes, you don't think you're going to win all your cases, do you? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, well, yeah. I, I mean, there's yeah. like, and then it, it was a, it was a really valuable lesson. It's like, I have a driving under suspension case. There is no defense. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is no defense. No, yeah. no. You're going to dismiss done. it because you're like, they got it wrong. Here's yeah. the license or no. But there's a notion out there doing what we do mm-hmm. that you're, if you're this awesome, high paid, super on TV lawyer, you're going to find, you know, you're going to get this guy off or you're going to, but you know, there mm-hmm. is no defense. So well, a lot you're of, in, you're going to get a lot of clients that believe that too. Well, that's oh, for sure. They, they come yeah. in like, here, give you a check. I can't tell you the amount of times people say, well, don't you play golf with a judge? Can't you just uh, – I'm like, no, no, no. This isn't a movie, okay? <laughs> that also gets me because then there's also the perception of, you know, someone that's appointed versus someone who's retained. So whether or not the defendant is paying for you or they're court Definitely. appointed. And I have to tell you that some of the best defense attorneys that I've seen are the ones that are court appointed um, because they know the system. They know the Absolutely. judges. They are there constantly. Mm-hmm. They are wheels to the pavement. And they are always going. So I think that that the appointed attorneys get a bad rap sometimes. And I've seen no people question. fire the court-appointed lawyers, hire big-time people, and get a worse result. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, – I, I couldn't agree more. There's nothing that – it does frustrate me when people call in here and they go, well, he's got a public pretender and he yeah. ain't a real – I'm like, they're not public pretenders. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> your lawyer has been doing this for 20 years exactly. and is assigned to doing basically these cases mm-hmm. and that you are in good hands. I get mm-hmm. it. I want your business, but mm-hmm. I try to when I know somebody's mm-hmm. good to say, look, if you're financially struggling to meet my fee, mm-hmm. you should stick with this person. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I do some court-appointed work, and I try very hard. People have pulled me aside to say, well, can I pay you? I'm like, no, they're mm-hmm. they're paying me. Mm-hmm. And they're like looking at me like, well, are you going to try as hard? And I'm like, look, a case is a case to me. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like I'm going to do what I can. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, Jared, you saw – Jared, we, Jared uh, watched us try a case and, and sort of work it up mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. You saw what went into that on our end. Hours. Uh, in, in, I mean, there was there was a whole procedure. I had been involved in a previous case whenever we you did the the group session there, and yeah. and this was a totally different one. And this one I was more involved with, and I saw like what you guys focus do group mm-hmm. prior to, yeah. and it was it was it was a lot. 
Now, I did that same, if not more, work when I was doing court-appointed work. I did, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. I just did because I don't – it's always bugged me. You know, on our, on my, mm-hmm. one, of the th- one of the pet peeves I have about defense lawyers is, eh, I haven't been paid that much or I haven't done you know, Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. It's like, listen, man, or woman, mm-hmm. you took the job. Mm-hmm. Do it mm-hmm. or don't, mm-hmm. but don't do it halfway. Well, everybody's entitled to a good defense. I mean, mm-hmm. isn't that what we're supposed to be built on? So although mm-hmm. sometimes, and don't get me wrong, I will fight till the day is long when I have a case. I will do the right thing. And yeah, I want the person to go to jail if that's what is so warranted. But um, everybody's entitled to a fair defense. I would rather win. I would rather lose to a good attorney than win to a bad attorney, if mm. that makes any sense. So I've definitely mm. had those cases where I've won and stomped on opposing counsel, but they, I don't think we're necessary. I can just, but then you feel bad because you're like, well, you know, why didn't you make that objection when I did this? You know, how right. would you let this happen? Well, right. that's interesting. So we're going to explore a couple of things you just said is like, you said you would rather, how did you say? You I'd rather re- lose to a good attorney. Than, than, than win to a bad one. Correct. But what you're really saying is, this is back what we were talking about, right? The process didn't work perhaps. Exactly. Because if the person didn't get... If the fight was unfair mm-hmm. for reasons beyond the evidence, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, there's no way to square that in the system. And, and frankly, like no. the, you go well, hire the most expensive person in town, you could get a really shitty defense. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it happens all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I watch it. I've I mean, seen it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, is, it is awful. I tried to do that once. But a co-defendant had already hired him, so I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had to hire the second best guy. I had to go to Palmer. <laughs> right. right. Oh, squirming man. over here in my chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it's it's an interesting notion that uh, that you said that. That's actually see, you are a realistic product. I mean, that's awesome that mm-hmm. you would that you would think that. Um, and was, I hope that most people that do the job are, but I feel like the political pressure plays a big role too. Maybe they. So. Maybe they personally believe or at least want to listen to us, but they have in the back of their head saying, well, my job, my boss says do this. Yeah. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to proceed. I'm just going to have to lose on the evidence. It mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I watched you guys pull two 12 hour shifts in a courtroom without leaving for lunch, without taking a break. And I can't there's eat. a recess or a break. The amount of work that went into putting together reports and programs that you were going to to the judge before the jury came back in every single time you guys were nailing it out. Well, it was funny because we were having that, we had that last break before the closing argument and Steve just goes, Jeff, I need the lesser included offense jury instruction typed up. I want it two ways. I want it this way. And I want it this way. He's like, have that before I get back. I need to go to my Zen place. <laughs> he just mm-hmm. goes and finds a place to think. And Jerry's just looking around like, this is crazy, man. He's having you yeah, highlight yeah, stuff. So you're like, like you handed me what this, am I so supposed you to say, highlight? <laughs> you, you, he, he looked at me. He was like, you know what to highlight in there. You highlight his. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the right. Good stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, trials right. are so exhausting. Yeah. I don't think that people but realize that. I, I sat there. I'm no, highlighting. He is typing. And Bill's yeah. over there looking up. They got the books and they're going. And then. Then I got to watch as you guys proposed that to the judge as you guys walked up there. And then I saw every time you would take a break to make sure everything was recorded, that everything was down, that you you guys were setting up the next case 
depending if on where this went. Yeah, yeah. you make it yeah. depending, depending yeah. on where it went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you, you you didn't you weren't consumed that hey we're gonna win this. Why no. why would we need to do all this? No, it was work? a my cousin Vinny moment at the bench. <laughs> yeah. It was just like that was a very well thought out objection overruled. <laughs> You're yes. just trying to get around the hearsay rules. <laughs> well, just yes. a small little piece. Of yeah, it. yeah. No, you said something that's interesting. It is exhausting, and I don't think mm-hmm. people understand that. No. It's, it is probably the most taxing thing that you can do, and especially if you have a trial that goes on for more than two or three days. You are up at the courthouse early. You are there all day sitting through court. People, oh, they're just sitting there. No, your brain is working like overtime. <sighs> um, I always ate lunch. It, Some of my co-counsels did. It, it wore but, me out, yeah. and I was yeah. not doing what, you know, I mean, and oh. I was observing. Mm-hmm. And then... Now with little ones, it's so hard. Your your kids yeah. are calling. I hate that. Yeah. Or your husband yeah. or your wife or maybe the, the cable guy is supposed to come on mm-hmm. Thursday and you're thinking, well, crap, I'm still going to be here. Now I got to talk so if I, you know, it's like all the right. shit that you just have to deal with on a normal day. Yeah. You wish you could you're just suspend war. life while you're in trial. Just to turn off the outside yeah. world. If someone could just run your life on the outside when you're in trial. Um, and then when you're done with trial, you're spent. I would always take a day or two off after a trial I, mm. it, just because you're so tired and get, to get your life back in order. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting. You know what I told these guys? I stood up to do the closing argument on the three, so I said, this is it. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, <laughs> yeah. like, I I'm done. I said you better make it good. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this yeah. is all you. And I don't think that anymore, but I was just like, tool for this stuff. I yeah. Know. And it's like, yeah. I, this is it. This is definitely. Well, then the day one, you told them, me and Jared could taking the boat out. We're going fishing. I was like, yeah. look, man, You're my done. son wants to go fishing. Let's roll. Yeah. There is something nice about walking away from it, though. You do, it, it takes a while to come off of it because as much as you don't realize that you're in this endorphin adrenaline run bubble. Yeah. When you come out of it, you still operate like you're in it. And it took a while to stop checking my phone <clears throat> yeah. through all hours of the night, yeah. through not watching the news and saying, well, that case is bullshit. What, look what that person did. And yeah. to stop talking back when Law & Order was on. Like, yeah. I, I had <laughs> yeah. to walk away from it. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't. So it's been a nice adjustment to not be in that area. But I miss, miss it. Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Especially, yeah. you know, now there's just such a big focus in the world on prosecutions and attorneys and how things happen. So it's making news. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um, But I miss being around law enforcement also. I did like working with law enforcement. It's a different family. Let me ask. There's that quote from uh, Locker. Is it called Locker Room or Hurt Locker? Hurt Locker, that movie. Now, I'm not going to connect being a lawyer to being a a soldier. I mean, that's just insane. Um, But there is a quote in there that sometimes when you're just in the thick of it and stressed, Mm -hmm. I think about there's that quote right at the beginning of the movie that says war is a drug. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I do think at times, and I told my wife this because she sees the highs and lows mm-hmm. and she's just like, well, don't, why don't you do it anymore? Then you just find something else. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, well, there's those moments, you know, when, when we finish up and we're looking at each other and it's just like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. It's that, it's that, it's a high. Mm-hmm. It really it is. is. I mean, it it's like we've worked so hard and now we've achieved this, this goal. We believed in this person and the jury system worked. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's then, like, this is why I do it. That jury moment though, when you're sitting there waiting for a verdict, I mean, I can't imagine what yeah. it's like for you guys, but that's probably one of the worst moments. I don't work. I mean, you feel like you are going to throw up the entire time. I had a client time. that I was taking a step away because I thought he was going to swing on me. Ugh. The bailiff was like, like, you guys can step out and get a bite. 
but she probably don't need to. Yeah, that's what, that's what he, <laughs> he was, was, he was, was like. Yeah, he's like, I've mean, been in there about thirty seconds. I'm not sure if you guys yeah. really want to go. <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, then there's the whole thing. Oh, well, the jury's been out for thirty minutes, so it means this. Oh, they've asked a right. question, and you try to interpret the impossible. Right. Yeah. But then when you actually sit down and you hear the words, you know, the, the jury has a verdict. You know, four person mm-hmm. is this your verdict? And that is probably one of the worst feelings and the best feelings at the same time. Yeah. But I've definitely had those moments where the, they came back and gave their verdict and I had my detective next to me on one of the cases and I was like, holy shit, did he just say guilty? Yeah. Like, and yeah. you just sit there and you're like, okay, I know that a camera's around here somewhere. I can't move. Yeah. I can't act Stoic. like I'm completely yeah. taken yeah. aback by the fact they just did that. In the well, moments you hear not guilty, yeah. you've then had to turn around and, and speak to victims. I'm trying to think if I've had a not guilty oh, that's like never that. Never mind then. <laughs> oh, she's not, we, we got close no. one time. We got close one time with our office. We've never crossed swords. Um, what is your perception? What's the what's the most annoying thing that any defense attorney can do? Oh, that's a good do? question. Yeah. Um, I put you on the spot. She has, she she didn't know these questions. <laughs> well, you kind of said a little bit already about attacking just me personally. Preparation. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I th- I think attacking me me personally, and it was completely unfounded. And it was someone that I'd worked with a multitude of times, but um, a situational case where he accused me of thinking one way or another in front of a jury, and. I became absolutely livid after the fact and was like, don't ever pull that bullshit. You know me. Yeah. Because once you cross that line and I can't trust you and you're going to throw me under the bus, if that's all you have to throw me under the bus, then we have a problem. Hmm. So that's probably my biggest pet peeve is when they make it personal. Yeah. And that's something you got to think about too. We've thought, I mean, we've been in those moments before where you're like, you know, I'm really pissed off that that happened, but mm-hmm. I have to also work with this person or I have again to work with again. this law enforcement agency or I have to go to this county again or wherever mm-hmm. it is. We and and how is the jury going to interpret it? Because it may mm-hmm. very well be that when he pulled that, the jury oh, saw it too. Yeah. As, well, this yeah. isn't fair play. This was is dirty. It pool. In the courtroom, in, a, in an argument setting, or was it? Uh... It was, I believe, in his closing argument. Right. So yeah, I, still I, had, I, I still had, I still had rebuttal. I still yeah. had rebuttal after the fact. But yeah. I mean, in that case too, there was so much evidence that tied this individual to an attempted murder and domestic and felonious. I mean, it was a hot mess of a case. Yeah. Um, and there was just so much evidence. So I didn't fear that. I'm like, you know, you're grasping for straws if yeah. you're saying I'm going. Yeah, don't this, pull that crap, Sam Schumansky. Come on, Sam. <laughs> here's the, here's the <laughs> thing, though. Sam, no. Yeah. no. Here's the thing, though. It rarely works, right? It's it's, yeah. it's such That's a tempting yeah. it's such a tempting avenue. It even came up in our case, right? I mean, the one where it's like it's so easy just to, to throw the attack that way. Mm-hmm. I think for both – it's happened to me too, right? I've had prosecutors stand up and say crap about me. Oh, absolutely. And, and I just look at them like – Whatever. I, and you know why I can do that now is because I'm older. I've done it enough where I just know mm-hmm. they're screwing up. Mm-hmm. They just don't know it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it's not an effective argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The case is over here, dude. It's mm-hmm. not over here. Right? Yeah. It's over here. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. arguing about the wrong thing. But um, it doesn't work. I mean, it's not. If you're going to be an effective advocate, you have to mm-hmm. find something else that you believe in in the case. And it's generally not that they're bad people. Yeah. What do you guys think about yelling during your closing arguments? Uh, we we had a guy bang that table, remember, because he was trying to mimic the smack of the car. That scared the crap out of me. I didn't know that was coming. You remember that one? Yeah. Where he went bam on the podium. Or no, it's not a podium. What is it? A lectern. A lectern. You stand mm-hmm. on a podium. You stand behind <laughs> I the lectern. I was going to podium. I was going to call it a podium. We had a big lecture about that on <clears> one of these. Um, I've never, I'm trying to think. I, I don't think I've ever been around somebody just flat out yell. What, mm-hmm. Now give me some examples. Just becoming incredibly loud. So, like, yeah. one of my co-counsels in, in some of the cases I did, um, he would 
always do rebuttal. So I would do the first part, the first close for the prosecution, then defense goes, and then he would put his rebuttal on. So I would usually line things up and say, this meets this element. And then co-counsel would get up and I'd say, oh, here comes angry attorney. And right. so his job then mm-hmm. was to become loud and good cop bad cop yeah but it maybe wasn't your strategy (laughs) (laughs) it was just the personality yeah right but it 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 seemed to work and i just you know i've seen defense attorneys do it where it's just like you're losing the jury i think and i see i've seen you do it in the right i think the right context i think well i wouldn't even say that Mm -hmm. i i would say that it's more powerful being softer Mm-hmm. to make a point than it is to be louder in a courtroom setting. So if you're speaking generally to slow down, to emphasize a point and being softer about it can sometimes be stronger than well, yelling about it. I look at it this way. When I talk to somebody and when you're really talking about something serious with my, let's say with my kids, mm-hmm. it's like you get close to them and you talk to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, here's what's going on, man. Like you pull your kid aside because there's been this fight. It's like you pull him over and you say, listen, man, here's what's happening. I saw him do this. I saw you do this. This mm-hmm. was your reaction. Talk to me about that. Mm-hmm. You're not screaming at him right now because it's right. not compelling to do it. It is only mm-hmm. when you scream, you build walls. Mm-hmm. And when you're building walls, that is a barrier between your client and his freedom, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is ineffective advocacy, although tempting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, were you commonly the voir dire person? Um, if I was solo, obviously, yes. Yeah, but with yeah. co-counsel, um, I worked with a co-counsel who probably did some of the best voir dire I've seen. Um, wow. But at the same time, it, voir dire is, is such a crapshoot. You know, it I've is. been to seminars on it, and how do you read this individual? Do you want this person? Do you not want that person? It's almost just better to ask the questions and have seven people sitting there just watching people's reactions and being like, so-and-so did this, and you just kind of go off of that. Well, Jared, you, know you I mean? saw that voir dire. I did. You I saw I, what I had, the I prosecutor. Had my, I had my plus and minus chart, and I had everybody that was there. <laughs> so you were looking at pluses and minus. Here's what's interesting: you're looking at pluses and minuses. Mm-hmm. He watched the mm-hmm. Jeff picked the jury in this case and did a phenomenal. It was one of the best voir dires I've seen. I've done in a long time. And you were He's taking just, pluses and minuses just for the show. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's an old book. It's a great book. It's uh, you might have read it too. Vincent Bugliosi, who is the prosecutor that prosecuted the Mansons mm-hmm. or the Man- mm-hmm. Manson Charles. And uh, he wrote a book, uh, and, a, and the sea will tell. And the sea will tell. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, on Palmera. On Palmera, yeah. there was a murder. Great yeah. book. There yeah. was a murder there. He didn't believe his client was. He actually got into defense work, but I guess this is his luxury. He would only defend people he truly believed were innocent. That's, you know, that's a what big he says luxury. In the book, at least no, he he prosecuted that case. No, he was a defense attorney. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm right, but maybe <laughs> we'll see. But anyway, I think he was a defense attorney. But I remember him talking to his client and they deliberated for a long time and he didn't know where they were at. And there was this one woman that he knew. He's like this one woman here. He's like, she hates me. She doesn't like our arguments. It's like, this case is going sideways because of her. She looks like she's strong willed. She looks like she's, she's, I think she's going to be the foreman, all that kind of stuff. Well, he had talked to them after the not guilty and it turns out the holdout and the one that was supporting him, the one holdout, and actually, it was hung, and then it ended up being not guilty. It was her. Mm-hmm. The one he thought sh- that hated him was the one that was on his side. My pluses mm-hmm. were going. They, they all left right there. So evidently, they saw the same thing I saw. I love mm-hmm. the jury. When, no, we, I, when we sat them all, I was like, the only one no, I don't like is, is the alternate, and the alternate the alternate apologized to our client on the way out when she was no, she dismissed. didn't say she didn't apologize you know she, she, said, she said good, good luck. luck yeah she said, good luck she <laughs> yeah. said good luck my client yeah. me, goes what's that mean and i said well dude i, I it's probably good she, yeah. i wish she but was in the jury pool she, she yeah. didn't say good luck yeah she said 
Good luck. Good luck. I mean, yeah. she she said it like yeah. she, yeah. she meant it. I mean, because I mean, like I said, there could have been so long. But I was like, good luck. Yeah. Good luck, hey. sucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the whole jury thing, though, and especially in a, as a woman picking a jury in a different kind of case. So, say it's a sex assault case, or it's a murder, or it's a drug case. From the prosecution side, yes, you're absolutely attacking these things differently, and. You know, do you believe that the FBI or, you know, BCI or your sheriff's office is corrupt? And I can't even imagine what it's like right now in the prosecution and defense environment. Yeah. Um, but, you know, thinking as a woman, okay, if I have heels that are too high, people judge. Women are brutal, especially we in the Bay. We think about a lot of stuff, too. Well, they yeah. are just brutal. You, do you feel like, I mean, you brought in gender. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, there is isn't. For no de- by no design, mm-hmm. we've got a testosterone laden office right now. I mean, I've I've worked with women, I've had mm-hmm. women work for, but right now we got three guys. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that there is uh, that you're that you is it is it worse for you? you I, yeah, I mean, and I'm not like this profession. big table pounding. You know, life is unfair. Person, I think I'm a blessed person. I'm very happy with my life, and I've worked very hard. But there are definitely counties I've gone into where oh, yeah. I've been asked if I'm the clerk or if I'm the uh, intern yeah. or. And then two, in courts, you don't want to be a woman that's yelling too much because then you're bitchy. And so uh, there's a very fine line as to how aggressive you can get. Yeah. And then at the same time, you don't want to be too demure because then you appear weak in front of mm. opposing counsel who in some counties they take full advantage of that. Um, so there are different struggles as a prosecutor, as a woman prosecutor going into some of these counties. Absolutely. Or, you know, it's funny. You know, a friend of ours, I, I don't, I'm not going to use his name. But anyway, he said this one time and it was it was very insightful. He just said, well, it's, look, it's no secret. Like if you're, a, if you're a really good, aggressive lawyer and you're a guy, you're called a bulldog. Mm-hmm. But if you're a woman, you're a battle axe. You know, Absolutely. It's like, yeah. But he said that, and I was like, you know what? You're right. That is sort of the perception. I was. It was mm-hmm. very. I, I think it's it's eye opening to the extent that perhaps people don't even realize it unless you're walking in your shoes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and, and by people, I mean men. Yeah, and it's it. It's in our society. I mean, it's it, yeah. like if you if you sleep with a bunch of women, you have a, a persona. Mm-hmm. But if a woman sleeps with a bunch of guys, she has a persona. You know what I mean? She has a name that comes with that. It's like, well, and I've been at trial tables where it's. I think of one in particular. I had a male agent, two male uh, co-counsels, two defense attorneys that were male, and the defendant that was male I was the only female at the table. And I stick out like a thumb. You know, I, yeah. tall. Yeah. I I stand out. Yeah. So. Um, I had to be very cognizant then, too, how I was sitting at the table. Am I sitting straight? What kind of shoes am I wearing? And as much as I tried to keep it low-key at the end of the trial, some of the jurors were very happy with the way that we did things. It was a a guilty across the board, but they still commented on my shoes. They still noticed that I wore different shoes every day. So, Really? You told me never try a case with beard. Uh, That that went out the door a long time ago. There was a time. (laughs) Did you ever meet Eric Yavich? No. You never yeah. got to meet Eric. No. All right. There was a time that I just sort of believed that you wouldn't want to do anything to make yourself different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I, in the nineties, you know, the beards weren't mm-hmm. all that popular. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, if you had a beard, you were, it was a little bit different. Sad. Sounds like a sad world back in the nineties. <laughs> and I, sh- I remember shave, like, he's like, oh, we're gonna, he had to try some court appointed case and he wanted, and I was like, ah, shit, I got to go shave. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I did. And we, we went to try the case, but it, it, I used to think that. I don't know if I yeah. think that so much anymore. I mean, I, I think I overthought a lot of that. At but the we time. still think, I mean, I'm, 
I don't really, I'm not a big flashy dresser, but you think like somebody yeah, from Columbus that's mm-hmm. a flashy dresser that walks into Licking County. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that, just, that just doesn't go over well. No, you saw what I all. wore the day of the closing argument, right? It was not a slicked up suit. Yep. Yep. Was, I mean, so you de- yeah. definitely think about those things, but it's Absolutely. it's sad that they would even think that it was necessary to tell you that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, what are you supposed to do? It, and it's awkward because instantly you're like, yeah. you know, especially I can think of um, one individual in a county that asked me after we had just... Uh, it was a murder case and a long-standing murder case that had been around for years and convicted. It was awesome. High moment, feeling great. You know, look what we did and I feel great for the family and it just instantly being taken down by the, by the individual that said something to the extent like, oh, well, you can come back here because X, Y, and Z. But it had nothing to do with my oh. intellect or anything like that. And it's like, oh, great. dude, I just did something really? you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Really. Me. Nursing shoes. That's what you should have wore. Nursing but it is, it is an interesting yeah. thing. If you so, wear nursing shoes, then it's... Maybe we should all just go back to the robes and the wigs. I think like, so. And then everybody's equal. But if you look and you, you pay know? attention, and in any court, whenever they're talking about federal, state, what have you, look at what people are wearing. Nothing is outstandingly flashy. Well, unless Nothing I can think like of a few people, but yeah, yeah. I mean, in general, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it is not... We're not completely immune to it either. Oh, absolutely not. You're not. Right. I... Well, the other thing that you see in our side of things a lot um, of times, this has happened a couple times, is your client's sitting there (laughs) and they're not maybe acting the way you'd like to see them act. You know what I mean? It's like maybe Mm -hmm. they're making facial expressions. Maybe they're having a little – taking a little too much enjoyment out of it, like Mm -hmm. laughing or giggling with us. And it's like I often – it's the moment they come through the door, I just look at them and say, look – Everything you do from here on out is being watched. Everything. When you lean over and ask me a question, there's going to be wandering eyes, all that stuff. Keep mm-hmm. that in mind. And uh, in a, yeah. there was a couple of times in this last hour, Bill was like, what's going on with this, dude? In the middle smack of the trial. I wanted you know to smack I mean? him in the back yeah. of his head. I said that. There was a couple of times I just wanted to stand up and just yeah. crack <laughs> like, him in the stop, head. Like, stop, what are you stop, doing? Stop, Get those yeah, glasses I'm, out of whatever. Chewing on the edge of your glasses and, and nodding and eyeing, it's just like just put the glasses back on. Yeah, look I forward. Mean, it is. Uh, it happens all the time. It happens mm-hmm. all the time. Um, no. do, you ever, do you ever get anybody who shows up and they, they look like Ace from Casino or something, and you're like you're wearing uh, that today? It's like yeah, you like the cufflinks. And it well, there is a very out. very sexist term that comes with a white tank top that I think everybody knows, oh, like yeah. that a male would wear. Yeah. And when I first started out, a public defender came into the room and said, I know we're set to trial today, but I'm asking for a continuance because my client showed up in a you know, <laughs> white what? tank top. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord. Yeah. That's, that's, oh. that's not the best. Yeah. It can happen. It can happen. But, well, I, but in, in this trial we just had, it's like, I mean, I'll put my arm around my client like we're absolutely. talking about something. And I'll mm-hmm. just say, if you don't quit that. I want to punch you in your freaking nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they look at you. And I was like, I'm not kidding, oh, dude. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is now nod like you understand, right? This is serious business. So right? I think at the yeah. conclusion of this thing, we need to give props to Jared because this, I guess, really is all just a game when it comes I down to so. it. There's a God lot of things going on. <laughs> yeah. But like you have to do that with your defendant. I would have to do that with victims' families, perhaps. I, that, the jury's watching them in the back. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely, yes. you have your own client. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some other questions. Let me look through my little tab here. You're talking about dressing the witnesses. You want to watch them too. It's like, no, with the boots, the go-go boots. Oh, that And the miniskirt. Yeah, yeah. You're like this. You're like, no. I don't like the open courtroom, the open uh, jury box and witness stand courtrooms. 
Oh, you know what I mean by that? Like this like, this trial we recently had, everybody's just open, sitting in chairs. Yeah. I like it when it's like a box, like uh-huh. a jury box, like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. And then when they're in a box, when they're being questioned, I mean, they're just getting into an open chair and you're, you know, you're standing oh, there questioning them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, it's I don't know. I feel like, I, feel like <laughs> I am mindful of it because I'm just like, to me, it's, it's, it's like the lector thing. It's like the, I think it's podium, but it, you, people stand behind that for protection. You know Absolutely. What I'm yeah. They, they were, they, they wanna, were on a it's podium. Like a, it's like a shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the witnesses. It so was I a feel witness like podium, you already start mm-hmm. with jurors and witnesses mm-hmm. in a, I would be standoffish if I were them because mm-hmm. even though it's unconscious to them, they don't have that protection you're there exposed. that you're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like when the person always told you in your public speaking, don't fold your arms in front of your, put mm-hmm. them behind your back because it shows you're open and absorbing the information. Put them behind and, your back, and not no arm lawyer. That's what I've heard. <laughs> I don't it, do it, but look, I, I've there's, there's, I've been, I've listened to actors and coaches on this stuff. It's like you got the like the one hand lawyer, hands in your pocket. Then you got the no arm lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then then you've got you know the this weird st- people do weird stuff. You got but the no, hand in your pocket lawyer. It's like, really hard doing? to be natural when you're sort of exposed that way. It, it takes a lot of. I, look, I were you there? What's the most annoying thing that you see people do? People meaning lawyers, both both sides, really, mm-hmm. while they're talking to a jury or in court. The most annoying thing to me I is when yours. the attorneys, and I've seen it from both sides, defense and prosecution, when they get right in front of the jurors oh, and they get yeah. in their faces. I just think it's disrespectful to those yeah. jurors that are sitting there. And they're probably thinking, why are you so close to me? Yeah, like, I think it's an listening. awkward thing. Like, yeah. I think that there needs to be some kind of decorum in the courtroom where people are separated. And I think that when you get, it's like getting into somebody's bubble. Like, don't come mm-hmm. in my bubble. Leave mm-hmm. them where they are. And I understand that sometimes you have to go there to show evidence or. If you're going into the bubble, it's got to be purposeful. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. And then back back mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. come back out and keep give them their – I agree. Give them mm-hmm. their their space. I could always hear Jeff better than when you were talking. And it's like you said, yeah, you talked like you're talking to a kid. But I have seen you maybe there but in other situations where you have been more. Yeah, when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I have a motion, and this is Mongo. Do you, there, do you ever read the American Bar Association Journal? Mm-mm. There used to be a guy named McElhaney that would um, – he would give these little dialogues and it was like fake story or fictional stories mm-hmm. to try to teach people trial evidence mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just things. But he, I saw a seminar from him and I think it was, I think it was he that did it, but he, he called it Mongo, right? So Mongo is your emotional mm-hmm. anger. He goes, mm-hmm. just keep Mongo in the bag, you know, mm-hmm. don't let him out mm-hmm. and you can use him to fuel what you need, but you never let Mongo out. And I've, I've been careful not to do that. For the most, you've never seen me do it in a courtroom, Jeff. I did when I was young. I have a couple times or younger. Yeah, Rishian told me about one time, and your Mongo was out, and I lost. Ticked off about something. Yeah, I was but I've never seen off. you that that way. Yeah, in, in front of a jury. I learned a lesson in that case. A really, yeah. really valuable because I let Mongo get get the better of me. But uh, no, I think generally you want to be very very reserved. If if I get emotional, it is by design. Mm-hmm. It is by design, and it has to be. But then you have to be good at it. Otherwise, it looks fake. I mean, that's exactly. the other problem. So. You know, what I see all the time, what I saw in this trial is moving. Oh, yeah. It is Drives me insane. nauseating to mm-hmm. me to watch watch somebody standing up there on both sides, stand up there and like walking in circles or going back and step, step, like a little dance, step, 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 mm-hmm. step, back and forth, back and forth. And when I first saw myself on video, like when there's no court reporting mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. video, I looked at that and I was like, hmm. I'm never doing that again. Mm. I'm never doing mm-hmm. that yeah. again. Yeah. And uh, you, it, you plant. 
and stay there. Yeah. Is it hard for you to watch stuff like that? Because, I mean, I've seen some some datelines where they'll, they'll show you cross-examining a witness and they'll, mm-hmm. like, has your girl seen that? Have they sh- you showed them that stuff? They have seen a few cases where it's been on the news and they they have asked me when I'm going to be on the news again. Uh, so they gotcha. think it's cool, but they, you know. What age were they at at this time? Mm, Ballpark. Oh, gosh. I don't even think one of them was born yet. Oh, So okay. three, four. Um, yeah. And then the last one was probably a couple of years. So six. Yeah. Six and like two and a half. But yeah, oh, look, there's mommy on TV. Yeah. But I think, you know, to your point, seeing yourself on camera, you very quickly pick up on what you don't want to do again. Yeah. yeah. And what's not so, you. Absolutely. Like maybe it's just these inward nerves that you're trying to conceal, you know. Well, I mean, it's making are, you do things. We're It's an art form, right? What we do. I hate, mm-hmm. to, I hate to get over... I hate to inflate it too much, but it is a bit of an art form, what mm-hmm. you do. And if you're not willing to look at what you're producing and critique it, you're never going to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And your ego is going to get in the way and it's, it, it doesn't work for the client. So I always take criticism that way. And I, you go home and you feel like, well, yeah, I feel like an idiot for that. But then you process it and you move on and you, you learn your lesson. Well, there's but, definitely performance art that's going on in every single trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You have to share your emotions. You have to let them... You can't just dictate a, a write, write something up and and read through it. Yeah, I I saw you guys share though your feelings to to influence. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think it's good to talk to the jurors too afterward if they stay around. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but I would always hope that people would stay afterward. And I would flat out, what did you like? What didn't you like about? What would you have needed more of? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very very beneficial tool when you're learning mm-hmm. how to do trial work. Yeah. The last two trials, I, I wish judges would they would make note of that before mm-hmm. they, you know, because especially we there was rural counties where I did them, and mm-hmm. they just they they just run. It's six o'clock at night, and they're just like, "I'm getting the heck out of here." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think if the judge was like, "Hey, by the way, sometimes the lawyers love to meet you and ask questions of mm-hmm. you. Anybody want to stick around? You're not obligated. Stick around for a couple minutes." I just wish somebody. I wish they would do that. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen that in the last two trials. Some but, of the bigger profile ones, they've done that, and the jurors have actually benefited and said it's beneficial because they had additional questions. Why couldn't we hear this? Why couldn't we see that? Yeah. Um, because, again, people are so swayed by what they see on television that they yeah. think it's just like it is on TV. And it's I like those. nothing like it is on TV. Yeah. yeah. I like those shows, too. But <laughs> it's definitely. It's a lot longer. I mean, you're definitely not getting through a case the way they show. Can you, Even watch, those, can you watch those shows with Brent? No. Your husband? No, because no, no. Morgan and I kind of do. We play yeah. off each other. But Morgan's more. I mean, she's she worked for the attorney general's office, so she's more prosecutor-minded and mm-hmm. takes a prosecutor perspective on things, which mm-hmm. can make for interesting dinner talk. <laughs> well, you know what we're going to do? This is part one. We're going we're gonna to come back for part well, two. Well, good thing we're paying Emily so much to be here. <laughs> well, she's, yeah. she's, yeah, we got more to come. We got, we got more to, we got more to talk about so. here. That's fine. We got me. more we to talk, talk about, about Brent. Here, but <laughs> not Brent. Uh, uh, the, Martin, though, the, the, oh, the dog. Martin, the dog. We can talk, we're going to start next time with Martin, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Everybody follow him on Instagram. What's the Instagram? It's Martin, the. Martin, the Weimariner. There you go. Sorry, I got to plug my dog. Now, yeah, now, now we got to find yeah, out what happened to Martin. Go follow Martin ate a Swiffer dust cloth, and his stomach flipped, which can be deadly in Weimariners. Spent a couple grand to fix him. A couple weeks later, you know, he's skinny from not eating from the surgery, so he's not full back. I left the pantry door open, and he chose to eat the K-Cups from Costco. 
that were there was a whole box full of coffee and hot chocolate. So when I came home from my productive day of errands, I came home <laughs> to see Costco K cups all over the floor. And we had to send him back you to the carpet vet. in the living room too, right? White carpet, so, uh, and you could see uh, that he had gotten right. coffee, like he had gone like Dracula style fangs into these K cups. So there's piles Children, of animals. But boys. the Instagram is hilarious because it's always something like that, and then you right. pose him in this like you know this I statue way when he sits he just there, has like ha, to him. f off, lady. I own this place. We, you know, we create art for all these episodes. <laughs> I want that picture. That's going to be the art for this Absolutely. one. Absolutely, it's a great. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> Martin's. Yeah. Martin's Martin's picture. Well, probably more on Martin and certainly more from the prosecutor's perspective. This is awesome. Yay. Well, thank you for I mean, having I got, me. Yes, thanks so I much got, for coming. I got a lot more to talk to you. We got awesome. more. I got a whole, it's over here. I'm hiding it, but I got a whole list. So uh, next time on Lawyer Talk, off the record, but on the air, we're going to continue with Emily and all sorts of prosecutorial insight. Thank so you much. that is Lawyer Talk, off the record, on the air until now.